It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! What's up, everybody? Welcome to this special edition episode of the Hive Sports Podcast, a Swoop Saturday and Cause Monday combination on this rivalry week. We're really excited to have a lot of Cougar and Ute fans on board with us this week as we were able to have some fun rivalry banter and get a great conversation going for you guys. In the meantime, please follow us at the Hive Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Be sure to check out the awesome articles written on thehivesports.com, and I hope you enjoy the content from today's podcast. 10 is coming to kick us off Dan you want to you want to kind of give the lowdown of what we're doing yeah so so thanks for inviting me I um I I was selected as kind of the moderator being an Aggie fan I claim to have kind of a neutral I know I know some of you fans try to sway me one way or the other and I'm like yeah it's it's just kind of fun from a neutral perspective to to watch this game because I'm not going to lose sleep like no matter who who wins or loses so um but but the way it's going to go we're just going to kind of ask a couple of questions about the rivalry to everyone and we're going to do it have an over and under section just a quick fire of, of predictions for the game and then we'll have to call out who the winners and, and losers are um once the game is over on late on saturday night possibly sunday morning we'll, we'll see but um but first of all i wanted to just um let everybody here on on the podcast and give, give a a minute or two um, introduction of who they are um, where, where you can follow them, just just what team they cheer for, like red or blue. Um, so, yeah, let's go down the line. Jake, maybe we'll start with you and then just, just go down the line. Let's do it. My name is Jake Johnson. I am a Ute fan. I was born in Salt Lake up by Shriners Hospital. I've been a season ticket holder since the Mac Kids Club in 1992. I sat on the black in the north end zone, 25 bucks for the entire season. you got to sit on the 140-degree asphalt and watch the Utes lose to UTEP and lose to BYU, and that's where it forged my fanship. It was back when I was 12 years old, and we were terrible. I was the only Ute fan in my primary class. I was the only Ute fan in my elementary school class, and I lived through the terrible days, days like this, where I can I can fall back on that nine-game win streak. So those days are in the past. That was Those were the hard days. These are the good days. So go Utes. That's it, man. All right. Jake Sorensen, um, what, what, what do you got? Oh, man. I'm a BYU fan at Jakersor21 is where you can follow me on Twitter. I owe some credit to Josh Flygar, who's joining us as well, to um, getting me to a lot of Utah games over the past couple of years. I've been able to watch a lot of Utah football, but I am a BYU fan. Um, my mom's a Cougar. My dad's a Ute, and I chose to follow my mom. Um, used to watch games literally up in Idaho where you can't get a signal, and I'd somehow pull a signal, and I'd watch BYU versus Air Force. Um, and then one of my first games, obviously, was uh, the Doman and, and uh, Staley um, game where they scored that last touchdown. So that's kind of where my BYU love has been forged. All my mom's side went to BYU. So uh, just a big BYU fan there. But um, let's go with Tanner next with uh, you, fan Tanner. Hey, so I'm Tanner Martin. Uh, you follow me at TanMart03. Um, and my Ute fandom, it, really, really the first year I really remember was the 2008 was the Sugar Bowl year. So, I mean, technically it's kind of just all been downhill since then, but the 2014, I was only seven years old then. So I didn't, I didn't really, you know, I watched some of their games, but 
wasn't really invested. And then during that Sugar Bowl year, I remember watching the Michigan game with my dad on, you know, the one they opened with, and then just going to games throughout the year. I was at TCU and at Oregon State and at, there were a couple others, but those were, those were the two big ones. And then just, you know, watch, watching Utah win, win in the Sugar Bowl, beat Alabama, and then really just made me kind of a diehard fan, and I have been ever since. Awesome. Thanks, Tanner. Andrew? Yeah, Andrew McCullough, uh, Utah fan here, checking in. Uh, born and raised, just like Jake. In fact, uh, Jake and I are cousins. Um, our, our maternal, our, our moms are sisters, and our maternal grandfather, uh, bless his heart, uh, came from Tennessee, um, grew up a Vols fan, and he moved to Utah, saw the light, became a Utah fan, had season tickets till he was about 95. Um, I grew up going to Utah basketball games um, religiously, um, got really into Utah football there in the mid 90s, mid to late 90s. Uh, I still remember going uh, to uh, grandpa had a heart attack and uh, I got his, his tickets for like, nine, I think it was 97 and all the Steve Smith years. Um, just absolutely fell in love with the team um, and, uh, you know, just plowing through. A lot of you guys know I, I did serve some time in Provo, did a, a three-year stint down there for law school, um, just reinforced my uh, my absolute uh, hatred for their athletic department. No, I'm just playing. Kind you of. time, man. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Robbie, let's hear your story. Yeah, I'm Robbie. You can follow me at Daryl Princeton. Um, by the name, I'm sure you can tell me Utah fan. Uh, my dad went to U. All my grandparents lived on the east side up in that, that area. So went to a lot of Utah basketball games growing up. Um, my first Utah football memory, ironically, was uh, the Kanashiro Do- Doink in 98, which was terrible. Um, my, we like, had to go out and I could reenact that game. It was so sad. So there's been better years since then. And yeah, go youth. Awesome. Josh, let's hear it. Hey guys, I'm Josh Flagar. Um, I uh I actually grew up as a BYU fan in my early years. And that was just because all my friends were BYU fans. And so I didn't want to rock the boat too much. But uh my my uncle was a huge Utah fan. He went to the U and he took me and my brother to the 2002 Utah BYU game. Uh we sat in the student section and that was Coach Mack's last game. Uh, Utah won 13 to six. So we rushed the field and my uncle and brother left me to tear down the goalposts. And I'm nine years old sitting on the field, not sure what to do. So some Utah player came and, and they helped me out, gave me his gloves. And I was a Utah fan ever, ever since then. Love it. Now we got to go to the other side. We got Mike's story next because I'm pretty sure Mike is a convert, right? Uh, yes, I'm a convert. I'm uh, Josh's opposite. I was born and raised a Utah fan, bled red. Um, there was a long period from 2003 to 2008. Um, the doink was actually really sad for me too because I always loved kicking. And so I followed the, followed the kicking stories all the time. Um, but I ended up going down to BYU. I hated, I hated BYU. I wore my Utah gear on campus. Um, then after a while, I realized which team was better and switched over. That's not actually how it happened, but um, it actually took coming back to Utah or to Salt Lake and wearing my, I had a BYU alumni shirt on, said something about, somebody told me I was stupid. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it was my shirt. And so then I kind of got painted into this corner that they thought I was a BYU fan. 
I'm a masochist, so I like pain. So I was like, sure, bring it on. And over time, I just kind of got drilled in. And then um, it was really solidified. I have some very close friends um, that are family, like tied into the program at BYU recently. So I, that solidified it for me. Thanks, Mike. Zach, let's hear it. Uh, yeah, so I, um, my family's originally from Canada, uh, from Southern Alberta, and um, my dad just grew up watching BYU games, passed it on to me. We moved here when I was two years old and grew up watching games, and I'm kind of in a weird situation because I haven't really been a fan of any team because I've worked as a professional media member for the last six years, so I can't cheer for any teams. Um, and so this is my first rivalry game since 2013 that I'm not covering it as a professional. Um, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and obviously we didn't have a game last year, but all those games I was covering the game down on the sideline and you can't cheer when you're a media member. So kind of a little bit different situation for me this year, but um, I'm interested to see how I'm going to react either way, <laughs> how things go on, uh, on Saturday. I'd be a closet U fan then. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, so my wife's a Utah fan. Um, she went to school up at the U while I was going to BYU. And uh, I mean, I, I cover both, you know, guys on both teams in high school. And so I just, I was always happy when they did well. That, I just want them both to play well. So awesome. now it's a little bit different now cheering for one of the teams to actually win. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Kyle, let's hear it. Hi, my name's Kyle. Um, I go by Y underscore soup on Twitter. I do not actually look like Ron Swanson. I'm a, definitely a BYU fan, born and raised a BYU fan. Now, things might have gone differently. When my dad was an impressionable young man, he was trying to cheer for Utah. Um, his parents didn't have an allegiance and was at a BYU-Utah game and saw a sign that said, is David O. McKay Colonel Sanders in disguise? And and he got so offended, here I am as a BYU fan today because my dad switched when he was a little nine-year-old kid or something. But, um, yeah, love the program. Happy to be Hey, that's God. a funny joke. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit dated, but, yeah. <laughs> Brandon Beals, let's hear it. What's up, everybody? I'm Brandon. Um been a Cougar fan my whole life. Grew up uh, with my family being huge BYU fans. My first game was actually in 2004 when BYU played Notre Dame um, down at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and BYU actually won that game. Um, and that same year, my elementary school teacher was dating a BYU football player, and so I got to see him quite a bit, um, and that kind of solidified it for me. But uh, my Bleed Blue um, season ticket holder for basketball and football uh, and wouldn't have it any other way. So go Kooks. Love it. Brandon and I wrote a rap together, by the way, if you haven't heard it. The Zach Wilson rap. <laughs> Everybody's heard it. Just kidding. I've slammed too many people. <laughs> All right. All right, Sporty. Devin Payne here. Let's hear it. Yeah, hey guys, uh, it's good to be here. Devin Payne, um, Sporty Mixed Sports uh, on, on Twitter. I'm uh, known for my objective, non-biased takes on Twitter. Um, <laughs> my, my, uh, my, my dad, my grandpa was a professor at BYU, a uh, psychology professor. 
Uh, my dad went to BYU. My mom uh, immigrated from South Africa. I met my dad at BYU. Um, so I've always been a BYU guy. I, I pretended like I was Ty Detmer in the backyard and I uh, used to watch games. And um, I remember like the 34, 31 commercials. That's where things started to get tricky for me, where I was like, well, why are we winning? Uh, I think Utah won three years in a row there. And so, um, yeah, I just, it's been my whole life. I infiltrated the youth for a few years, got my degree there. Um, loved my experience at the U. Um, it was great, but uh, it's hard to shake the, the BYU fandom from, from just a young age, you know? So had, uh, had season tickets up until this year, uh, just moved to St. George. And so we're trying to figure out how we do it with four kids and finding time and, and making our way up there. I'll still be up there a lot, but uh, uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks sporty. And uh, Jeff. So, um, so I'm Mormon. Um, so I, I uh, obviously have been around, B- I've known of BYU my whole life, but my parents, uh, none of my family, uh, you know, had any connections to BYU because my parents are converts. So um, I actually went to San Diego State my first year of college, but on my mission, I got talking to BYU, so applied and, and attended afterwards. So my real BYU fandom started when I, when I attended as a sophomore. And that was back in 91. So I'm pretty old. <laughs> That's <laughs> so I'm, awesome, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm big in. I'm big in since then. I met my wife there. And um, two kids have been there already and graduated. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in now. Dan's going to lead us off now with our questions and everything that way. So um, everybody can unmute because it's just going to be it's going to be wild. And unless your kids are screaming, shut it off. But <laughs> if they're not screaming and everybody's asleep, Dan's going to lead us. I have a feeling it's going to be okay. yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm a keyboard warrior. I'll, 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 I'll be quiet here. I'll let you take over. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thanks, Jake. Um, I don't know if I introduced myself. I mean, for those who don't know me, you might hear me. I'm one of the few Aggie fans on Twitter that just tweets all the time. Um, you can uh, My handle is at USC, the right blue, but um, I, I do like just covering all the teams in the state and, Utah and BYU, I mean, that's the featured in-state rivalry. I, I know I, I, I love the Battle of the Brothers and Old Wagon Wheel, but, but let's talk about the Holy War because that's the big one this week. The first question, and then I'll just leave it open to everyone. So after watching both of your teams um, and, and, and your rivals' teams play in week one with BYU playing Arizona and Utah playing the, uh, the FCS foe up north, uh, Weber State, um, kind of what are your takeaways from week one? And start us off just because um, I've been thinking about this one a lot. I didn't get to watch both games. I, I was telling Brandon this, but um, so um, what I did see in Utah highlights, I, I noted that everybody was cheering about Charlie Brewer. Apparently he sounds like the next Zach Wilson, or maybe he's better than Zach Wilson is what they're saying. So um, I kind of took that one. Cause I mean, I wrote a rap. He ain't no Zach, Zach Wilson. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's kind of what I was looking at is, I don't know where their where their offensive line is at, but um, I, I kind of feel like like BYU has a pretty good opportunity to take advantage of their offensive line, and I don't think they're going to be able to protect Charlie Brewer. Yeah, so, Brewer is definitely not a Zach Wilson because Brewer has actually um, won some P five games, so a little bit different. But where you're coming from? <laughs> <laughs> How many did you win last year? What was it like? Two or three? So, what is that? Two or three, three more, yeah. 
So here, here's the fact of the matter, fellas. Here's the fact of the matter, okay? Uh, if you've watched any Kyle Whittingham football games to start, start off the season, he does the exact same thing no matter who the opponent is. FCS, Weber State, Southern Utah, North Dakota State, it does not matter. We always start slow, and we always kind of hold things back a little bit. We had two of our starting offensive linemen not even suit up for this game, Satoa Lomea and Jaron Kump. So they didn't even play, right? So to judge the offensive line based off this performance is unfair, in my opinion, because they didn't have all their starters there. And, you know, we just we didn't really do a ton offensively like we always never do in our first game against FCS teams. That's just a fact. I've watched enough Kyle Whittingham football to know if you judge the season off the first game of the year, you're going to be wrong because it's always always pretty um, pretty underwhelming. When I look at 2018, Utah opened with Weber State. They're down 10-7 in the second quarter. with like four minutes to go. That was their, our first year we won the South. So here's what's going to happen is we're going to get all five of our starters back, um, and uh, they're going to look a lot different than they did on Saturday. They're going to look a lot different. They're going to um, attack. Because BYU likes to sit back in their drop eight, drop seven, whatever the case is. Um, and uh, we're gonna we're do, gonna do a lot of crossing routes, a lot of short patterns, and we're gonna move the ball down the field. The question is, can we punch it in in the red zone? If we can, I think Utah wins. If we cannot, it'll be a classic 23-22 something game coming down to the wire. Um, if we can punch in the red zone instead of settling for field goals, Utah wins. That's my prediction. Yeah, Jake, Jake makes a great point there, right? Uh, Utah, you, you never can take too much from what Utah does in that opener. You know, I think they're one of their first years in the. Well, or not their first year, but their second or third year, a five and seven year where they, they just weren't any good. I think we beat Weber State 70 to seven. And then, you know, we had a, what a nine and three year a few years back where Troy Williams was, was Utah's quarterback and we beat SUU like 24 to 10. So, you know, in the opener, I mean, there's just, you just can't take a whole ton. You just need to know Utah's who they are. They're, they're always going to have a, a, a great running game. They'll always find a way to, to put up, you know, to put up yards on the ground. Um, always going to have a have a defense that you, know, you don't want to have to play. Well, all the things I learned this last week, the biggest thing I took away was that the Big Sky is probably better than the Pac-12, and that all goes to that um, Washington um, and you know Montana game. So I don't know. Maybe Utah is pretty dang good. Weber State's number six in the nation on the FCS side. So I, I am pretty confident. There's there's some. I don't know, but there'll be some good things that come out of it. But um, from the BYU side, we, we did have some guys out too. I mean, we had Samson and Puka that were left out. Um, apparently not too happy. Um, their brother wasn't too happy because he went to the game and didn't get to watch him play. And then Max Tooley, the linebacker. So I, I think there's kind of, I don't know, some parody there. There might be some some people that were, they kept it vanilla, I guess, on both sides, Utah and BYU this weekend. I think it kind of depends which half you watched, right? Like, I think I think Utah did really well the second half. They just kind of took over. Like, I think everyone knew it was going to happen. Um, BYU played a bad first quarter, but the second quarter, I think they, uh, Jaron Hall started to feel it more comfortable. He moved the ball. And then, you know, they're up 21-3 and everyone thinks things are fine. And then things just crumble. So, I don't know if it's first game jitters or what, but uh, if you watch the first half of the BYU game, you probably feel pretty comfortable. And if you watched the second half of the U game, you'd feel pretty comfortable. So uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, first game, like nobody knows. I don't, I don't know if Roderick's doing the same thing. Maybe he's keeping things vanilla, uh, thinking that we were going to you know, win comfortably and that it became a closer game than we expected. But yeah, hard to really tell from a first game, especially, and nobody really knows what Arizona or Weber State are going to be. Weber State was awesome last year. Arizona sucked, but Arizona's new coach was, he was dialing it up, man. They were rushing, uh, uh, blitzing every play. They ran like, I mean, I think their quarterback threw like 46 times around almost 90 plays. They were, 
it was different than what we've seen from him. So it was a, it was a surprise, but hard to say. Hard I know we're say. in, we're in BYU time right now, but I, I want, there's one thing I want to say about uh, Weber state that I don't think is, is, can be understated. And that's the fact that um, Weber state has now played seven, seven games this year. And if you look across um, the week one matchups between FCS and FBS schools, there were six FCS schools that actually beat FBS schools, including a Pac-12 team in, in uh, Washington losing to Montana, and then also uh, an SEC school in Vanderbilt going down to like Eastern Tennessee Hilltoppers of like, I don't know how many directions they fit in there, but there's, I think there's a a point that needs to be made that FCS schools looked very good. Even a lot of the teams that still lost, that kept it extremely close to some of these FBS schools. Um, The fact that they had a spring season uh, really, and, and then they bring everyone back that really can't be understated that those schools were a lot more prepared to play than these FBS schools, even if there is inferior talent, which I don't think anyone would disagree that there is. That's actually a good point. I, I was totally joking about my, my FCS comment. Josh and I actually got to go watch um, some Weber State games this year, and it was really interesting to see that level of preparation for those six games. So I think there is some validity to that. The interesting thing for me, I think, watching um, some of these first week games just across the nation, I think there's some of these teams that, I mean, even BYU was was mocked last year for saying they went 11 and one against high school teams or whatever. But you kind of note that some of these FBS schools, um, G5, went out and played pretty well again against some of this um, P5 talent. So I think the experience, the opportunity to play um, kind of allows that to, to come to fruition a little bit more like you're saying, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to tell. Like I was talking to someone in my office, uh, earlier today, who's a Utah fan. He was asking me, um, what I thought about both the games and man, it is, it's so hard to, uh, get anything from Utah for that first game, just because, uh, yeah, they're missing two starters on the offensive line. Um, everyone knows that they start, uh, kind of slow in their first game of the season, regardless of the opponent. I mean, the only time that I can really think of a season opener where they uh, really played to their full potential was against Michigan a few years ago, but it's always close games against FCS teams. And they go on to they just kind of figure a few things out after week one, look at the tape and get better. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing with BYU this year. Um, you uh, like th- there was a lot of things that I saw in that game um, there's almost almost no involvement from the Titans who we thought were going to be the two complete studs on offense outside of Algier that we could just lean on. Um, and I, I think Isaac Rex only had two catches and both of those came in the second half. He was staying in on a lot of pass pro just because of how much Arizona was blitzing and they were going kind of like max protection so they could um, help Jaron feel a little bit more comfortable. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see the game plan that he puts together this week because um, they have years and years of Scally and Whittingham led defenses uh, to go and look at the tape. And obviously Roderick is uh, pretty familiar with uh, those guys after his time up on the Hill. And so um, I'm really interested to see if we kind of see that same conservative approach with, with BYU this week, or if they um, kind of let the top off and uh, and um, you know, take advantage and take some uh, some shot field or what they try and do with Jaron. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I uh, would want to do uh, for those guys is just get more touch to Algier, um, touches for Algier, and then try and get the tight ends more involved. 
I'll just say so, they have to let the top off. They, they can't play a Utah style of game and have any hope of winning because Utah will out no. Utah them. Yeah. Um, so my rival doesn't actually play on real TV, so I didn't watch it. So that's, <laughs> that's the problem. I, but, I, you know, I, I have paid attention to the advanced analytics, and I think my takeaway is this. They're, they're two, you know, as usual, really evenly matched teams. Um, BYU's fallen behind some some over the last 10 years, but hasn't been as bad as Utah fans want to pretend. They just keep, you know, they just keep winning the rivalry game, but overall the teams have been pretty equal about half the time. Um, but, and that's the case this year. That That's my guess. I mean, that's what analytics say, but no one can watch the Pac-12 network. It's not real. <laughs> um, it's the Mountain 2.0. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's a really good perspective. It's, it sounds like a lot of you, you fans are like, like level-headed. Like I, I don't really hear any homers here. It seems like you guys are, are um, understand both sides. Um, so the next question, you, you both kind of, uh, you, uh, both sides kind of touched on it a little bit already. But what are, are some of the keys to your specific team winning on on Saturday? So I think the keys are this: the um, you know the veterans have to play like veterans. So the the main key is just can't turn over a ton, and um, our lines have to you know both offense and defensive lines have to hold up. That's that's the thing. They they've kicked our butts in the trenches too much uh, in this in this uh, streak of theirs. And so I think uh, I think if our veterans play like veterans and our lines are are stout, we're going to be okay. I think someone needs to apologize to Whittingham's wife. Um, whatever happened there, that might be a good start. <laughs> Soften the heart. Yeah, Robbie, what do you think? I think the key for Utah winning the game is, I think Jake said this earlier, but finishing drives. Um, I think the, the 2017 game is probably like, if you were to pull 50 Utah fans and say, what's your least favorite win of the nine, probably most of them would say the 2017 game because Utah was able to move the ball but couldn't finish drives and the game being close to end, um, whereas like 2019 Utah was able to, to finish drives more. So I think Utah is going to be able to move the ball, um, but in the red zone, that's – where the game is really going to come down to. So I think if Utah can do that, finish drives, um, should get out of there with a win. And I, I think Utah needs to, to force BYU into to third and long, into not, you know, third and eight, third and longer, just because, you know, Jaron Hall to this point uh, is, you know, is, he, he's unproven as a passer. He might be a great passer, but he's a lot more unproven as a passer. Uh, Algier is a great running back. And so Utah needs to really force BYU, I think, in the throwing third down situations um, and force Jaron Hall to beat him that way. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing as a BYU fan is uh, limit turnovers. You don't want to turn over the ball, especially with how how well Utah can score um, off of those turnovers. I mean, we've seen that in the last two times that these teams have played. Um, 2018, that completely shifted the momentum when Julian Blackman intercepted Zach Wilson and took it back for a pick six. and. Um, uh, you talk about uh, BYU not being super conservative, but you also can't force things. So um, I kind of laid it out earlier. I would like to see Algier get more touches. I think he had 17 against Arizona. I'd like to see 20, 25. Um, and then controlling the line of scrimmage, I think that BYU might have an opportunity with uh, the matchup on the defensive line versus Utah. 
line. And um, BYU's got some road graders up front on the offensive line. And I know Utah's stacked on the defensive front every single year. Um, but this might be, you know, compared to what they've had in years past, I think Mika Tifu is a really talented player, but he's not the same kind of player as a guy like Bradley and I, or Lucky Fotu or the Krugers or anyone that they've had in years past. And so I think that might be a place where BYU could potentially have an advantage. Question for the BYU fans on here. And I'm just being like legit here. Um, I think it's a pretty safe thing to say that I don't think BYU's played as physical a football team, um, just size and, and just especially the depth along the lines uh, since the last time they played Utah, maybe Washington in 2019. Um, but they just haven't, they haven't played a, a team with, with the, the size, the strength and the, the, the typical, you know, how we can bring your lunch pail defense. We're going to beat on you for, for four quarters. I mean, do you guys have any, any concerns about the fact that they just haven't been exposed to that in, in like two years? I think, I think maybe like when I think about this game, like USC might be the model, right? Like I think um, what we did there was interesting with Slovis where we picked him off a couple of times and rattled him pretty early. And that's, and it, it, like, they just kept passing. We were doing the, the send three drop eight and they just kept throwing and they just weren't having success. So I think one, if we can rattle Brewer a little bit and just, you know, take his confidence just a little bit at the beginning, I think we have a shot, but yeah, I mean, we, since that year, we played Utah, Tennessee, USC, and Washington. And those are probably the, the big four that we played. And in the last year we haven't, uh, we had that, it was kind of taken away from us. So yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how we handle that. I mean, you look at us against Arizona, we did well in the first, you know, two, three quarters, and then things started shifting. You see their offense moving the ball. And, and so that worries me. Yeah. Like knowing that Utah's deep and that they're fast and they're big, uh, it's a little bit worrisome. I just hope we can sort of get under Brewer's skin a little bit and get him, um, just losing confidence. I think that's what we have to do to, and then, you know, take away the run after that, but it's just hard to do with the U. <laughs> you, bring, you bring up a good point, Devin. Um, if you can do to Utah, what you did to USC, you got a good shot. The, the difference in my mind is Clay Helton, like, he's not a very good coach. He's got all the talent in the world and he continually, continually underperforms every year. Whereas Kyle Whittingham is the master of second half adjustments, you know? And so, um, if this really is Kyle Whittingham's last game because we take a two-year break between this, a lot of people are saying this is his last his last Holy War game. Who knows what he's going to throw at throw at the Cougars in this one? I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. Also, hashtag extend Clay Helton. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> every, every year extend him. I think to to Jake and Devin's point, um, USC for some reason decided that they wanted to throw into the eight-man pressure instead of take the four and five-yard runs. I think the biggest difference, like Jake was saying, is Kyle Whittingham, he will he will take four yards on a cloud of dust, play after play after play, as BYU got to uh, witness last time these two teams played. And I don't think Ludwig and, and Whittingham will go away from that. I think if, if there's any sort of success in the run game early, it's just going to be over and over and over and just hope that BYU wears down. This year, I think the depth's a little bit different, though. I think all of us BYU fans could agree with that. Uh, this is probably the deepest team we've seen from BYU. I don't know. I think the secondary, right, is where is where it's going to be maybe different than Utah's ever seen before. 
we actually have some speed and depth in the secondary that we haven't had. And so it may allow us to bring, you know, more pressure, do a little bit more man defense potentially. Um, yeah, we'll see that. I think that's the biggest chance. I mean, our linebackers have always been pretty solid. Our D line has always been decent. We've always been just thin at corner and safety. And I think that's a little bit different this year. So we'll see. And this might not be a popular opinion, even among BYU fans, but I'm a big Tuiaki defender. I think he's learning and growing. I think there's this perception that he only drops eight um, against Arizona. You know, a, a friend of mine ran the numbers. I think it was 20% of the time they dropped eight. Um, you know, they brought six several times. They brought five quite a bit. Um, I think we're seeing Tuiaki learn how to, how to adjust his defenses to what he's playing. And I don't expect that just because dropping eight worked against uh, USC, that that's what they'll stick with to try and beat Utah. Um, you know, he, he's not a Kyle Whittingham uh, defensive coordinator at this point, but I think he's learning and growing, and uh, I, I think it's going to look a little different than it has. Well, I'll just, I'll just add in there, too. I think the X factor that is very overlooked is that I think Zach Wilson changed the culture of the BYU program, not just the players, but the coaches just going out there and believing they can win. And it didn't really feel like we had that for the last couple of years. We had good players, but they never went out like they were just going to take it. And Zach Wilson brought that in, probably from Utah, but he brought it in. <laughs> well, I heard in 2018, the comeback game, that like the comeback started, there were people on the sideline saying, here we go again. Like that was the mentality, right? Like it was just like, we've lost seven in a row. Here, here it comes or whatever. So I think with them having won 17 of their last 20 games, it's just they just feel different, and and hopefully that carries through. But it's good to feel that way, and then you get punched in the mouth. It's gonna, it's, we'll see how they react because they. Yeah, there's the old saying that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and yeah. with that swagger comes the the worry. I'm a BYU looking at it from a BYU perspective. If they come out and they they fall down like two scores to Utah and all the swagger suddenly is gone, what does it get replaced with? Is it the 2018 second half BYU team or is it you know the BYU second half team of, that we saw maybe in in some of the 2019 years or 2019 games? One takeaway I have just um, from, from observing, I was actually at the the game in in Vegas and 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 also got to see some of the Utah game and um, one one key I think is that. Um, BYU has to make the big plays and Utah, uh, um, Utah's defense has to prevent those big plays. And one particular play, I remember um, Jaron Hall, he, he had a, like a clear path to a touchdown, but he, he ran out of bounds. Like, I don't know if, if um, doing that would be a wise strategy against the Utes, because if you give them uh, another chance to set up their defense and in the red zone, then, then maybe, maybe the, the worst case scenario happens. Um, and, and then in the flip side, you saw the Utes give up a big play to Weber State. I know it's a little overreacting, like like you guys have said, to to base it off that. But their Rashid Shahid had a 100-yard um, kickoff return. So something like that probably can't happen um, against BYU. Um, you, you don't want to poke the bear or give them that momentum, especially because they know if, if they lose this game, it's going to be 5,000-plus um, days since the the BYU will have beaten Utah because they won't play again until 2024. So that's just a little bit of thought thoughts I 
I had. Um, I think that both of those will be keys for those teams. But um, I guess this next one is really applicable to BYU fans of late and Utah fans back in the 80s. But kind of what is your go-to coping mechanism in a loss, uh, in the Holy War specifically? I don't remember what it's like to lose, so you're going to have to ask someone else. <laughs> I remember. I think I'm. I think I'm calloused. Um, I, I, so I think, yeah, pre preemptively building calluses against it has helped. Um, and if anybody knows me, it's just Maverick and Coke Zero. Um, that's when I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. Um, so we'll we'll be all right. <laughs> I can take it. I had this guy at the Utah game uh, back in 2018 tell me I was kicking ice at him from the the level up above and uh, that was like right when the, everything started shifting and josh was standing there next to me <laughs> but uh so my coping mechanism is just to go in with no intent like no idea of what's going to happen and just be happy with whatever outcome because i mean i am not happy with whatever outcome obviously but it's less painful if i just think i'll be happy with whatever outcome <laughs> let me get this straight you kicked ice at a utah fan and then byu fell apart is that right that's kind of what happened so his coping mechanism was was kicking the ice <laughs> it was really like painful beer. it's kind of like pouring <laughs> beer <laughs> It's a lot like pouring beer. No, I don't know what it was. The guy, like, he's like, yeah, you're kicking ice to my family. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And then it just, like, everything just unraveled from there, so. <laughs> For me, ever since the game wasn't the last game of the season, the coping mechanism is the same thing as it always is for the players, too. Like, just on to the next game, and, you know, we can lose the one game. You start rationalizing, well, it's just one game. Let's go have a great season. When it's the last game of the season, you just have to deal with it through the holidays, and then you just make parties or anything like that. That's how you get through it. I think I think I just uh, I just avoid Twitter because I eat a lot of crow every year. So uh, I just I, I know there's a lot of comments waiting for me, so I just uh, stay off for a while and let that pass and play with my kids. That tends to bring it back up, and I yeah, on to the next, but. Was Twitter around the last time BYU? No, no. We were MySpace. 2009? So we <laughs> was your top eight you had to avoid? I was trolling MySpace, yeah. Sporty, I was going to ask you, um, with the, the tweets that you send out, how many book tweets do you get off of those? <laughs> people, people bring them up. Yeah, I'd bookmark your tweets. about three dozen of Sporty's tweets bookmarked, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> 11:45 p.m. Saturday night. So, <laughs> uh, no. So, I mean, the, the last few years, um, I've made bets where I'll change my my Avi to uh, you know like a, a, a the block U. And so, for the last couple of years, the week after the game, I've had a, a, a U logo up as my um, Twitter handle. And I actually had a few BYU fans unfollow me because of that. And I was like, dude, I'm. This is just. You know, we're, I made a bet. I'm keeping the bet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I say a lot of stuff. I think most people know it's just garbage. But, like, um, you know, like, I, I, I love the team. And, and a lot of stuff comes back to bite me, and especially the last nine years. So, yeah, kind of sucks after a loss for a while. So I sort of avoid it. <laughs> with, with that, I got to bring up Tanner. Uh, this week, Tanner posted something pretty funny. So he said – He'll pay every BYU fan that likes his post, or he'll mow their lawn, sorry. He'll mow their lawn 
if you like his post and then um, you owe him 10 bucks. But so if anybody wants to take him up on that, now's the time. <laughs> we should add a disclaimer to that, that you must live within 50 miles of me. And so I think the only options now are about 40 down here in St. George. But other than that, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Tanner can't even mow his own grass. Do you want to mow in yours? <laughs> yeah, look at that. <laughs> no, it's all it's all just fun. Everybody, you know, every you know, I think everybody in this group knows it's it's all just a pastime and all just to kind of enjoy it. You know, it, it wouldn't be any fun if if nobody cared and if nobody talked any heat at all. Um, someone's got to eat crow every time. Um, obviously, for Utah fans, we haven't since while I've been on this earth, really. But um, we have, a lot, know, of, we have a lot of transitive wins, though. A lot of transitive wins. So that is my one complaint about Kyle Whittingham. He has his team prepared always for the, the physical, the actual game. But I mean, that man is 0 and 27,000 in hypothetical rematches, and he never yeah. finds a way to win one. Yeah, <laughs> he never will. <laughs> By the way, isn't it um, 1 and 0 for BYU after the forfeit last year? <laughs> oh man <laughs> I've been hearing that a lot <laughs> I never claimed that That's I think that falls under hypothetical that's what you guys gotta take right <laughs> <laughs> what about the one in Vegas where we like won the second half like 28 to 0 that one too <laughs> got a banner hand for that one somewhere second half champs or what i have something i'm sure i have something i know i have something because you look at the record books it's a w for utah my friend <laughs> i'm also going to take the first half of 2018 <laughs> hey man take all the halves you want we'll take the whole game look you can have the it's... first three quarters of that game all we need is the fourth all we need is the final score it, it's all it's all got the same asterisk as 1984 so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> I don't acknowledge 1984 happened. I was still 13 years away from me gracing this earth with my presence. So that, that never happened. Oh, man. I, I mean, they never I mentioned think... it. And guys, they never mentioned it in Wonder Woman 1984. I didn't see the movie, but I heard they didn't mention the BYU championship. So so why, why, why didn't they do that? <laughs> That's why the movie was a flop. Yeah. That's the part right after the credits. You didn't watch long enough. It's there. <laughs> Um, well, well, one that I, I thought of, um, that my, my father-in-law, he's a BYU fan. He always goes, not always, but I've heard he, he Home Depot is, is his go-to place. So I remember watching the Vegas, um, bowl, my wife and I were just dating at the time. And I thought it was crazy that like BYU and Utah were playing and, and at my work, like they just said, wear red or blue. And I was just like, okay, I'm wearing my Navy blue. But, but anyways, my at halftime, I think. The, the Utes, you guys were ahead by like three or four touchdowns. So he's like, we're going to home. I'm going to Home Depot, so I'll be back later. And then he comes back, and then like BYU almost wins. But um, I thought that was a funny coping mechanism. Um, yeah, it's definitely hard. I don't – I probably do the same thing that Sporty does. I try to stay off Twitter, and I, de I definitely have some DMs, like um, on, on the years that we used to lose to BYU or Boise or whoever. But <laughs> it's always a, a fun time. Um, the last question before we get to our over and under um, speed speed round is: is what your what is your fondest rivalry memory? I'll jump in on that one. I was living in Provo, uh, going to EVU in 2011, and so 
so all my buddies were going to the Y and I got to sit in like the it wasn't the rock at the time but like with all the Y students and seeing Utah score touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and being like the only person in red for their you know that corner of the stadium was amazing um the, the place emptied out pretty quick so got to kind of spread my you know sit down and enjoy my a little bit of space after a while but probably going to the to that game was my favorite for sure so i think my fondest memory is uh you know that that john beck could play you know john beck to harleen mostly because i was listening to rubel that was on the mountain speaking of channels that barely existed and just freaking out you know i was only a radio list and it's still it was unbelievable just like you know just a freak out moment um and just, you know, these things can be great whether you're in person or it's on TV or on the radio. It's all awesome. So. Um, I would say, I mean, my first game, like I kind of already told you guys, it was awesome. Um, and then just 2008 was such a magical year anyway. So having that and the way it did. Uh, well, 2004, you kind of knew Utah was going to win because BYU wasn't really that great that year. But 2008 was a totally different story and they both came in ranked and, weren't quite sure what was going to happen. And uh, so that was, that was a whole lot of fun that year. Maybe this is a little too obvious, but uh, obviously Beck to Harleen, I think that might be the last time I hugged my mom was after that pass and, and catch. So pretty fun memory there. One of my, one yes. of my favorite memories is was watching Wit just tell BYU, you can't stop us. And then he just took a knee, three straight plays on the goal line, up three scores. That was a fun one. It was just kind of the ultimate, you can't hang with us moment. We Zach Moss came out after that rain delay or that lightning delay, I guess, and just ran it down their throat to, in a nine man, you know, nine men in the box and just ran it down their throat until they got to the two yard line. And then they just said, we've had our fun and took, took three straight knees to end the game. Where he held up his hands after it was like this. <laughs> no, that was uh, that was 2017 that he he held his hands up because that was seven wins. Oh, um, gotcha. My favorite memory was probably 1994. Uh, it was it was I was I was like 12, and uh, we were pretty highly ranked. Uh, we finished the year number eight in the country, but uh, it was the second year of 34-31. It was a back and forth game. I was sitting on that black asphalt in the north end zone that I talked about earlier. And BYU took a lead, and they kicked it off late to Cal Beck, and he ran it down to the five-yard line. Uh, and then we scored, I think, two plays later to Charlie Brown in the corner, and we won 34-31 for the second year in a row. And went to the field, and try, I tried stealing Luther Ellis' helmet, but they wouldn't let me out of, off the field with it. And uh, that, that was when it cemented my passion uh, as a diehard fan was probably that game. So that's, that's my favorite memory. Yeah, mine's 2007. It was the uh, first BYU-Utah game I went to with my dad. Um, obviously, one of the last wins, but uh, pretty cool to uh, win the conference championship. I remember rushing the field after. And, um, yeah, not, not a lot of great memories for that. Obviously, we have 2009, but not much after that. <laughs> a lot of pain. Stop doing what's right on and off the field, man. <laughs> I was a big fan of Matt magic. Ran out after that. You guys were living right. I don't know what you guys are doing now, but the magic is gone. Hey, you know, I think I think it's going to be a hall that breaks the Max Hall curse. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about the Saturday. When did we, as BYU fans, start calling it the Max Hall curse? Because I just started saying that like, 
like a couple years back and it just i feel like everybody's on the same boat with that now uh, probably like what 2015 16 after it had been like three or four straight games yeah, it probably was. It was when, uh, um, was it Nakua got that fake targeting call that everybody has been posting all day today? No, it was, it was long before that they were referring to. But it's actually not actually the McSall curse. That's just a, a cover for it. It's the fact that uh, that uh, Jamie Whittingham got punched in the face and BYU hung Kyle Whittingham out to the athletic department, hung him out to dry, and he, he, he said, I will never lose to him again, and he hasn't. So... I don't know if he sold his soul to the devil to make it happen or what, but uh, we were actually talking with Jordan about that. And it was, it's a very, very serious thing to Kyle Whittingham. It's very personal. It was just like a random fan that did it. There was like an altercation between one of uh, Whittingham's um, kids and a fan. Whittingham's kid Um. took a phone and anyways, it escalated. Not very, uh, uh, the take I got was that Kyle Whittingham didn't feel supported very much by the, uh, Mm the athletic department. And uh, so he, he told in the locker room, he said, we'll never lose those guys again. And, and yeah, if you, if you check out what Jordan Wynn said, it was kind of cool um, just to kind of get his perspective, but he said he also got the shit knocked out of by Jordan Pendleton. So he can't really remember that night that well. So <laughs> Andrew, it doesn't sound very cool to me, just so you know, <laughs> yeah, nothing no. about what you just said sounds cool to me. <laughs> It's all fake, like uh, beer getting poured on people's families. It's all made up. Yeah, I was at a conference, or not a conference. Josh and I were up at the U once, and Wit was there. I don't even remember where it was, but he pulled out the scriptures, and he said something about red. And I don't remember that, Josh? Yeah, some fireside we went to. Yeah, he's like telling. He, he read a scripture, and it said, and the Lord shall be red in his apparel. And that was his. Can we get him called on a mission? Can we not make him a mission president right away so he can go give those scriptures somewhere else? That'd be awesome. How about we just have the Lord come back? Let's just skip everything. I'm ready for that instead. Wait, no, I need I need to see a BYU win first. <laughs> you got to see before you believe, right? Um, so I think we're at a, about the point where we we got to get to our over under kind of slingshot shot edition. So so we'll try to go quick for these. Um, Jake, let me know if I miss any, but but Jake. Jake's kind of done his homework on some over-unders. Um, so currently Utah is a seven-point favorite. I'll just kind of let, let you guys j- j- just go, th- go through from the top to the bottom. Um, under Over-under or exact. You want me to start? Yeah, run it. Let's hear okay. it. I say uh, Utah over the seven points. <laughs> over. Okay. Any Utah fan disagree, or are you guys all over? Hammer the over. Over. Hammer the over. Over, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I hope every BYU fan on here takes the under. De- definitely <laughs> the under. Take the under. <laughs> Even if it's a three-point win, you know what I mean, for Utah. I, it's not going to happen, but I'm just saying I got to hit the under. <laughs> definitely under. I think I'm going to hit the line. My Personally, I'm going to do seven seven points. Like I, I, I think a, a one-score game would be – cool to cool to see but like not too close because you know that 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 makes too many people get stressed out like you don't want to have that false hope like oh like we're gonna do this and then like have something bad happen like miss a field goal or something but um the next one we had is 50 points total so that's like combined between two team the two teams um are you going over under or or 50 exactly under for me under 
it'll be ugly. It will be ugly. Under. I'm getting that over, man. 33-20, final score, Utah. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. Man, over. I'm taking the under like a 24-23 BYU kind of deal. Over. Like 70 to 3 BYU. <laughs> Mike, yes. <laughs> that happens, man. Jaron Hall's going number one in the draft. Jake's going to write this next rap. <laughs> so, did we get to everybody? Um, it, it, so, so, it sounds like there's a lot of um, unders, a couple overs. Um, but then the next one. Uh, is one that uh, might, might be popular among Utah fans. Uh, a pick six by by a Ute player. Are, are we going? Uh, so the, so the line is one. Are we going over, under, or exactly one? I'm going to go under. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's they've had we've had way too many you know lately. That 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 streak will end. I'll get. I'll concede that streak. Yeah, that streak sm- will end. the smart. Uh, we're, we're not going to get one. Zero. The smart money is to bet the under, like Jake said. It's just I was thinking about that the other day. It's just happened way too frequently, um, but maybe a scoop and score instead. I, I say oh, no. under because oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go you go ahead. I just say I say under because Jaron Hall's too fast to allow the six after the pick. <laughs> He'll chase him down at the yeah, three. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I'll take the I'll under. I think the last two games we've had one, so I'll say we'll get another one. I'm more confident than, than the other people on here. I'm with Kyle, but I just hope he doesn't get a concussion when he's tackling it with the three. <laughs> That's like my biggest so, worry is concussion. I'm, I'm taking the under. I think uh, Jaron, this is probably bad news, but Jaron hasn't thrown an interception in about 80, 90 passes or so yet. I think he'll take care of the ball a little bit, run, uh, hopefully hopefully no interceptions. Knock on wood, Devin. Well, now that Sporty said that, I'm going to actually take the over and Clark's Clark <laughs> yeah. going to house one Smart. and still uh, Phillips. I'm not going to tweet that. That's that's where the <laughs> first comes in. But Oh, okay. Yeah. What was that game back when Ohio and uh, Michigan – or not Michigan, Ohio State-Miami, where they threw that pick and then it got stripped and then it got stripped again? You guys remember that? Back uh, in- yeah, the national championship. Oh my gosh, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But it's going to be returned for a touchdown for BYU off the strip, right? <laughs> so it's not going to be a pick six. It'll still be the under. But um, I, I, I was just going to say, um, off that pick six, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. So it looks like the um, the line for total turnovers we have three. Um, are you guys? You guys think there'll be more or less, or the same, or exactly three total turnovers in the game? Over. Yeah, that's an over for sure. There's always tons of turnovers in this game. Yeah. Is this supposed to lightning on Saturday, by the way? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not, too. <laughs> I'm going to go even on the three. I think there will be three turnovers. There's always something stupid that happens. Two for Utah, one for BYU, right? I don't care. BYU is going to win 70 to three. I don't care where the turnover is. <laughs> We've had six before and still one. So doesn't BYU win? Like I've heard, like um, for there's like a stat saying since like the last fifty years, like 
BYU wins like 80% of the time if they win the turnover battle. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it seems like they've found a lot of different ways to, to, to lose. Like, like it's, it's crazy all the different um, endings that there, that has been in this streak. But um, I guess the next question I have is, is first downs. Um, Jake, do we have a line on that or are you just thinking we, we, we just kind of throw out numbers there? I just threw out a number on that one, 17 first downs. I, I think there's going to be an over on that one um, for both teams. I think there's going to be actually more offensive yards than than we're expecting. It'll still be a good defense. I, I don't think Utah or BYU has as good a defense this year as as in years past. That's just my, my take. Utah's going to run the ball all day. Um, so I, I imagine they're going to get a lot of, a lot of first downs, but I, I can't see a huge – bunch of chunk yardage plays just because I don't think Ludwig is going Ludwig and Witt are going to put the ball in the air they're just going to keep keep pounding it down the throat feels like they passed a lot versus Weaver State did they I they passed more than they normally do yeah they, they were actually about 50 50 uh when it came to it but usually yeah they they, they opened up with no back in the backfield and yeah passed the whole way down the opening drive so I think they're trying to make a statement that Jake that uh Charlie Brewer is no Jake Bentley. You know, he's accurate. He's a good yeah. quarterback. Um, and, and we're going to throw a lot this year. So I don't know. I, I don't foresee a lot of, I don't foresee a lot of big chunk plays either. Like Andrew said, it'll be a lot of seven, eight, nine yard gains, which will constitute three, four, five first downs a drive if they, if they score a lot. So yeah, I think over on the, on the first downs for Utah. Hey, Jake Bentley threw two touchdown passes and no INTs on Saturday, 269 yards, just for everybody who's. <laughs> But he played a team that wouldn't have even that was even worse than everybody who BYU played last year. <laughs> That's impossible. That's impossible. <laughs> no, real time. Next one was that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He came in and he freaking could not complete a five yard out. I have never seen a quarterback less accurate than Jake Bentley was last year. It was embarrassing. What happened? There were times where Coach Witt went to him and said, hey, can you freaking throw this ball? He's like, yeah, 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 I got this. And the next play, was like 10 yards short of the receiver. It was embarrassing. I don't, I don't know what happened if, he had, if he's in his head, but there's no way a Division One quarterback can look that terrible. And he looked, he looked terrible. So. Hey, Jake, but did he ever throw the ball 10 yards out the back of the end zone? Because that yeah, was tasteful. Not that far. <laughs> Ty Jordan, rest in peace, bless his heart, was carrying it the whole way, man. Mm. Well, it, it felt like um, your tight ends and some of your wide receivers, like there was some frustration that was like boiling over, it yeah. felt like from camp or something. Because like I would treat Grant like throw his hands in the air. Yeah. Like, there you there, don't do that there, the there were three over. times in the Oregon State game where Grant Keithy was wide open in the end zone and he's overthrown on all three. And you could see how angry he was. He'd throw his hands up, he'd yeah. shake his head. It was not. It was not a good situation last year at the quarterback position. That's for sure. Yeah, there's Drew List would have started the whole way. There's actually, to be totally honest, there's actually uh, some pretty high-profile Utah players that um, said they think that Utah would have actually been undefeated had Drew List played the entire season rather than Jake Bentley. Uh, and I heard that directly from their mouth. So List is the man. I was hoping he would get more time. His pops worked with me, and I love I love this. I wish I would have seen him more. I got to play with him in the, the spring open. Such a solid dude. Yeah. And just uh, – I don't know if this is going to make the podcast. <laughs> the dude out of the nickname, they called him Big Dick. <laughs> Big Dick uh, Lisk. And uh, 
they had a, a little uh, hand signal for them on the sideline and I uh, was told that they were, the coaches were always worried that they were going to, the national media was going to catch on, but uh, <laughs> nobody ever did. But Lisk is honestly a uh, super awesome guy. And then I actually beat him in a football throwing competition, which means that um, I'm a better quarterback than Zach Wilson because he would have been uh, behind Drew Lisk. You got to warn me to plug my ears before you talk like that, Andrew. <laughs> I'm trying to live right on and off the field all up until this game Saturday. You are not helping. Um, well, yeah, one thing I think will be a big one is, is third down conversions. And I don't know if we have a line on that, but um, DJ Jabs, Jake, um, do, uh, I think we have a couple minutes, a little bit of time for a couple last last minute, like, spit shot questions so what what else what else do you got yeah i just want to know what's the biggest thing you love about your rival <laughs> you know uh, i'll start uh i think usc is one of the most storied football programs ever yeah. coliseum is one heck of a place to watch a football game knock it off tanner it's it's when they won ralphie out it, ralphie's the coolest mascot on the planet man <laughs> when they run him out that's incredible. No, no, no. It's not that. It's the sundresses down at ASU. <laughs> I think it's how Gary Patterson pulls his pants up. Uh, that's what I really love about him. Oh, you were, you were referencing the team in the, the in-state game. Ah, uh, the in-state game. <laughs> uh, no, it would actually be um, – I'll start. It will be um, – Lavella Edwards is just such a solid dude, um, just amazing icon, nothing but respect for, for him. Um, I don't think it's any, any, um, I don't think there's any coincidence that he kind of, uh, that Kyle Whittingham kind of uh, played under him and, uh, you know, uh, Kyle's dad was a coach under him. And there's, I see a lot of, a lot of uh, Lavelle in, in Kyle himself. So, you know, the, the greatest gift BYU has ever given us is probably Kyle Whittingham, but um, I'll go with Lavelle Edwards. I love, love that guy. You know, I mean, this is a compliment. It may sound like a slap in the face, but I, I am, I stand in awe at the optimism of your fan base. Like, I'm not kidding. It doesn't matter if you had your four and nine win or if you just got blown out by somebody immediately immediately it's like hey we're back we're 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 gonna win the next you know like you're undefeated the rest of the season nothing gets you guys down man and you rally you're always there you're always optimistic even when logic would say look you guys have recruited in the 70s for the last 10 years look you haven't beaten utah for nine years look you don't have the same coaching staff that utah does or the or the or the uh, revenue does. All that logic is in your face saying no, but you guys sit here and you think you're going to win. And I applaud you for that. That is remarkable optimism. That, that's how you get six BYU fans to come sit and listen to you guys after nine in a row, because yeah, we're, we're going to be fine. I will say, I love that Utah's fan base can actually dress for games. Um, they can wear the right color and that color really pops in the stadium. I think it's ugly. Just go do blackouts because I think red's really ugly, but props to you guys. There's one shade of red except the helmets and the jerseys don't match, but there's one shade of red in the stands and it looks good. Can somebody, speaking of that, can somebody please get Kalani Sataki a matching shirt and, and can, yeah, thank you. I'm, embrace, somebody... I'm embracing the, the different shades of blue now. 
I'm starting I, to like I, it. I, I fought it for a while, and now I'm just, yeah, I feel like I, I kind of like it, man. I think it would look good in the navy pants, navy helmet, and the in the royal blue shirt. You guys should wear that one. I'm serious. Oh, man. Sporty's all for that. Sporty's <laughs> doing that right now. Yeah, that's right, man. I'm, no, I, so I, I love, I think I love the passion of the Utah fan base. I mean, like, obviously, you guys are known for being a little bit more realist or pessimist, however you want to say it, uh, to your point. But like you guys are, you guys are like there and, and you show up and you, uh, you know, football for the most part. Uh, and uh, I, a lot of fan bases just aren't that passionate, right? Like, like, I think you guys, you guys sell out the place. Uh, it's really cool to see a fan base that, that just loves their team and like follows it so closely. So. I love that when I go to a Utah game, I don't get told to sit down. I can be as loud as I want, and there's not some old couple behind me <laughs> telling me to shut up and sit down. <laughs> and I love your defense. Those are my two favorite. Yeah, Utah's in-game atmosphere is great. I had a cousin that played um, up on the hill back in the mid-2000s and moved to the games all the time. And he, he wasn't like a, he wasn't a starter, but he got in a couple of games, and I always had a blast going up and cheering for him. And um, just the, the in-game atmosphere is always great. Hey, Kyle, earmuffs on this one. Um, I absolutely love the pictures of the cougar tail uh, consumption at BYU. I mean, it is like the scriptures on the lap and the cougar tail and the way the guy's looking. It's just, it's art. I mean, somebody hang that in the Louvre. That's, that's the gift that gives every year. And uh, who doesn't love a three foot long maple bar? Uh, bro, we yeah, we embrace the weirdness. I think I like that about our family. Like, bring headphones, be old, like knit while you're out there, but just be there, you know. There was a girl sitting next to me in Vegas reading a book the whole time. It's true. <laughs> which, which book did you catch the title? I, I didn't catch it. It was my brought my daughter, probably. I'll tell you what it was later. I can't say it on the podcast for Kyle's sake. <laughs> Like my uncle, who's not even a fan, was down there, so I don't even know what he was doing. But he was there with my aunt, and he hasn't watched football probably in like forty years. So <laughs> let's hear what you like least about your rivals, too. Though I, I do want to hear that. I, I want to know what's what's the most annoying thing about your rival. <laughs> they keep winning every damn year. That was pretty annoying. <laughs> okay, I'll just say, Jake Johnson, Jake, you remember what it was like in the 80s to deal with BYU fans. That, that's exactly what's the most annoying thing about our rivals now. When you know you're just going to win, and you act like a bozo all the time. I mean, we just get used to it, but, you know, we need you to lose every once in a while to keep you in check. Definitely yeah, my least favorite thing is that I don't know if I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not, but that Sporting Sports guy. Oh wait, oh sorry, I, my I didn't say that. Yeah, no, just kidding. We we love we love Devin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some. Uh, there's definitely some personalities, right? Like, uh, my, like I I rub a lot of people the wrong way, and I know that. And and there's there's that on both sides, but like. Yeah, I mean, I name think, names. Come on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I'll stop there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I think it like the whole, like anything, I, I think I, what I feel is like anything that BYU does is never good enough. You know what I mean? That's, that's sort of like the feeling like, 
hey, we just beat Arizona, but Weber State could beat Arizona. It's like, oh, come on. Like, seriously, like anything, like going 11 and one, getting the number two draft pick, it's like, yeah, well. It was the pandemic, come on. Yeah, it was the pandemic. <laughs> like anything, anything that we like, USC, oh, somebody had to have been sick or there was one line, like whatever. So I think that's the thing that gets to me the most. I do it too. Everyone does it. Like we make excuses for other people's success, but on, on our side, it's hard to hear, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, I think the irony is that uh, for each one of these, uh, what we hate most of our rival, the funniest part is you could probably hold a mirror up with the yeah. fan base. Um, my least favorite thing, and this goes absolutely both ways, is uh, when one of these kids who are you know 18 to 20, well, I guess at BYU, it could be like 27, but um, but no, seriously, these are young kids. And when they make a mistake and they they get drugged through the mud, and that's, that goes both ways, it's just like the absolute worst. And it brings out literally the worst in, in every, in all of us. And so that's been one of my biggest things with the rivalry is just when a kid like drinks a beer or gets his girlfriend pregnant, like these are 18 year old kids living their, their life. And it's, it's way more important than a game. Um, that being said, you know, if any of your guys want to sit out this week due to honor code violations, you know, that that's not a bad thing either. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Jake Oldroyd. I don't know why he was out either as COVID or something happened because his back dude. Was it his back? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm bummed we were going to miss Keenan too, man. Yeah. I think what bothers me the most about the about my rival okay, is the painting with the brush the bunch of classless, drunk, unemployed people, right? Uh, first of all, the gas station you know, counts to, as a job. To, to, <laughs> to uh, um, talk down to people that don't believe what you believe in, people that are not LDS, that are you fans that drink, that's the way life is outside the LDS church. People everywhere drink and to make it seem like they're lesser people than you because you choose to abstain from it. One is like ridiculously judgmental. Two, that's not how the savior would act. And three, it bothers me because I get lumped in that I'm some classless, drunk, unemployed Ute fan. You no, know? when there is a large percentage of Ute fans that are active LDS people that hold good jobs that are that doing well, you know, and, and to paint the whole fan base like, oh, yep, pumping my gas or delivering my pizza. That whole thing, that's what gets my blood pressure rising when someone, not jokingly, but intentionally, like, oh, well, obviously he can't afford it because he's a youth fan. That type of crap. That angers me really bad. So that's my number one thing. Yeah, Jake, I've been on both sides on that one. Um, and it's kind of funny because the it's true. All of it's true. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's funny because the people that I've seen attack, like, generally like that, they always have personal problems in their lives. There's something going on. It tries. They try to make themselves feel better when it's a personal tech like that. I mean, Sporty might say something as a joke. I say something as a joke. My six followers on Twitter might not like it, but um, the thing that I dislike the most about um, the Utah fan base in general, and this is from being on both sides, is that they turn on their team so fast. I guess BYU's done it too, but sitting in the stands in 2018, the first half, people are yelling to break Zach Wilson's neck and kill him, kill him. And like, it's all like, they hate their team. And it started with, oh, kill him. And then it was BYU sucks. And then it's Utah sucks. And fire Whittingham, we, sh we don't belong in the Pac-12. We suck. And then they get the lead back. And then I'm leaving. They're like, hey, good game. It's like, just they be a fan. Have, like your team. They don't have the motivation of Elisa Wilson on their side, Mike. So. <laughs> That's why I got out of bed this morning, my friend. <laughs> It. I was like, I can't do this. What would Lisa Wilson say? She was like, get out of bed, you guys. There's kids, Michael. Get out of bed. You can. And I got out of bed. Here I am. 
Thank you, Lisa Wilson. There's uh, something to be said for that turning on their team thing. Like, yeah, uh, I think it was Connor tweeted out. I remember it was the Washington game in 2019. We were it was a literally a one score game, uh, and I think it was actually it might have even been like one point at the half. I think it was 13 14 at the half, if I recall. And it, we had Utah fans just like heading heading for the exit on Twitter, like this is over. Um, we're uh, there are a lot of Utah fans that are quick to to give yeah, up. There, there's a huge segment that sucks that hate. They're just like. You know, that oh, it's first down already. I told you, same old third and scally defense. Shut <laughs> up, man. Just watch the whole freaking game and then overreact later. But I, I hate that. I hate the defeat attitude we have anytime anything goes wrong. Yeah, that yeah. D God guy. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> the thing is, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite. Like, you guys saw me, especially with the Jazz. Like, I was saying they would win until they were, you know, down 25 and the buzzer took zero. So it's, it's, uh, it's a double-edged sword though. You get that invested into it. And it that's when it hurts when you lose. Like, yeah, I think it's a pre-coping strategy for a lot of them. Honestly, I think they're trying to like Kyle uh, develop the callus. Like in the first quarter, they give up like a, a you know, the first down and they're like, okay, I got to convince myself that we've lost now so that it won't hurt as bad in the fourth. Well, let's, uh, I like the, the way this is kind of going, but um, we're, we're wrapping up with our final question. So I, I want to know what's, um, what's the reason that one is coming or why is 10 coming? Um, and with that, just a couple hot takes from you guys to, to kind of wrap it up for us tonight. Yeah, I'll go first. So one is coming. And the reality is that this is the first, this will be the first Utah win of the uh, 2020 decade. Um, but then also that means that 10 is also coming. So you're, you're right on both counts. So one is coming, 10 is coming. Um, all we know is that Kyle Whittingham uh, is the coach of the University of Utah. And until proven otherwise, I think he's going to walk out a winner. Jump in. I mean, it's simple. Utah's bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they're, they, they've got a better coach. They're just, just, they're just, they just wear you down, and they've done it now in straight times. It hasn't been pretty always, but they've just worn, worn BYU down every time, and I don't think it's going to be any different. That's why 10 is coming. 10 is coming because nothing has really changed since the last time these teams have played. I mean, obviously, there's a few different guys here and there, but, like, it's the same coaches, Kyle Whittingham, Taki, like, we've seen how this goes. Utah's going to probably lead by double digits, give up a late touchdown. It'll be kind of fake close, but Utah will win. Why is 10 coming? Let me tell you why 10 is coming. Because this entire season is dedicated to the late, great Tychorius Jordan. Three players came back that would have been drafted in the first four or five rounds of the NFL draft. And they came back for one reason, to get that championship for Ty Jordan. Devin Lloyd is an absolute freaking beast. He would have been a starter in the NFL right now this season, and he's roaming our sidelines, and he is, he's, he's incredible. We are talented. This is, a, this is a special year for us. So you've got Kyle Whittingham, who's probably coaching his last game in the, in the rivalry. You've got a senior quarterback who BYU hasn't faced that many good quarterbacks against Utah. They just haven't. We, we've won on run game, defense, and managing the game. Uh, since, since Alex Smith left, really only Brian Johnson and, and Tyler Huntley were good quarterbacks. Everyone else has been met, right? Shout out John Hayes. What's that? Shout out John Hayes. 
Sure, sure, John Hayes. But Tyler, uh, uh, Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. So you throw in a good, accurate senior quarterback with Kyle Whittingham coaching his last game, with the spirit of Ty Jordan propelling this team. That is why Utah will roll into the Lavelle Ridge Stadium Saturday night and, and, and roll out of there with victory number 10. And you see Kyle Whittingham walking off the field going like this. You know what it means, baby. Game over. Utes 33-20. And it's coming. <laughs> Let's hear it, BYU fans. Come on, what's uh, going on? I'll have the listeners know when Jake just said, Kyle Whittingham going like this, he just stuck his finger in his nose. Because <laughs> he's so bored with how big the, the lead is. <laughs> hey, I don't want to follow fan, all, that, all that all that, Ty Jordan stuff because, yeah, rest in peace, Ty Jordan. Sadie's gone. Uh, one is coming because no matter who wins, BYU wins. Um, we've all established that that's the way this goes. I think one is coming um, because BYU is going to be fired up. The players know they're on the verge of getting a Big 12 invite. And someday, somehow, the ball is going to bounce BYU's way in this game. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I thought that was going to be when it was uh, 2018 or whenever, but you know, halfway through that game, I looked at my friends and said, no, we're not winning this one. But I think that culture is changing. Um, I expect it to change Saturday night. Yeah, one's any... coming. Oh, you got to support. You got it. No, 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 go ahead. No, I, I just think one's coming for that reason. I think BYU is going to come out pretty focused, um, like you were mentioning. Um, I do think they're going to do a tribute to Ty Jordan, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if not, if nothing else, I just think – um, there's a lot of people that everybody's playing for on both sides. So that'll kind of wash out. But um, I think BYU is ready for, like I said, the culture change that's happened. The, um, the depth is the biggest thing. Um, and I think the, the Kalani and, and Wit this year going around listening to their them talking today and yesterday, it sounds like to me there's a little bit more of, um, I don't know, it doesn't sound like there's as much bad blood between the two of them. I think it's just going to be a heck of a game fought out to the end. And I think BYU is going to pull it out. Witt even said himself, every, nothing lasts forever. So and I kind of, I hope this is the year that it doesn't last forever. I'm going to go ahead and say that BYU gets this win for number one is coming because they've had 13, is it, warm-up games so far in the last two years? And Utah's only had, what, six? And so talked about how that how Montana got over Washington other things like that BYU I think lacks some of the depth and the players that Utah has at a lot of positions but it's it's college football it is what it is yeah I think I think BYU's getting the the swagger back whether it's faux swagger or not from playing high school teams but I think they're confident now uh, this is the first time in the streak that Utah is going to be playing a p5 team after Friday after the invite comes. Um, so look, I think, um, honestly, people are going to get like mad that I'm going to say this, but I, I, I feel like BYU is hungry. They went to coastal Carolina. They want to play, they want to win. And I think, you know, Utah played five games, which is out of their control, but they didn't play the bowl game. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, like you said, with the FTS thing, like BYU's played a lot of games. Um, Jaron's been in the system for three years. He wasn't a starter. He knows the offense. We return on 12 touchdowns and tied in from last year. Gunners, well, he probably won't play, but Neil's back. Puka and Samson, hopefully they'll be playing. So we've got some, we've got some weapons on offense. Obviously, Algiers, a thousand-yard rusher. Kato, who's been in the system for three years. 
I think we just have guys that have been there for a long time and uh, they're, they're confident in the offense. I, I think Brewer's a stud. He looked awesome. He looked accurate. I don't know how he's going to do in a new system um, when he's, when he's pressed. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he'll do awesome. Uh, I think your running backs again, uh, love Ty Jordan. I'm really sad about that. I hope we do a cool tribute, but I think they're new. Uh, they haven't been in the rivalry before. It's going to be a pretty intense situation at BYU. It's going to get loud. Uh, BYU fans get, I, I mean, I went to the game, uh, the, the basketball game when we had lost to the U for like three straight years. And when BYU was up, like it gets crazy, intense, loud. And I think that'll happen just like the, that Boise game. It'll get, it's going to get crazy in there. And if Brewer can handle it, the new guys can handle it. Uh, you know, it'll, it's going to be a great game, but I just think uh, some things have changed as far as confidence and BYU wanting to play and guys in the system uh, and then some stronger DBs than we've had. Yeah, I, I think for sure the culture's changed under Kalani. Um, you know, you look at 2016, BYU has a chance to win that game um, in, in his first rivalry game and uh, credit to Utah on that, on that play, they blow it up on the two point conversion and, when BYU was going for the win, but, um, and then 2017 happens and that's like the low point of BYU football for the last 50 years. And what BYU and Kalani have built from 2018, obviously, uh, they lost games, um, against Utah, the, the second half comeback in 2018, 2019, that blowout loss, but you're seeing what they're building there. They have road wins at Tennessee home win against USC, um, wins against other P5 programs. And I just think that there's a lot of confidence in the program now. Um, guys that have a certain amount, a certain level of swagger. And, you know, you, shot, you saw it with Zach Wilson. He kind of brought that. And Jaron Hall kind of carries that mantle a little bit. And uh, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, players want to go to uh, to battle with. And uh, he's got some swagger. And um, I, I just think that it's it's – like uh i can't remember who said it earlier but everything comes to an end and i think that uh you know with no no team on either side ever winning 10 straight i i don't think we're gonna see that happen this time i'm shocked that uh, all the utah fans picked utah and all the byu fans picked byu but uh, what i'm even more shocked about is that you byu fans just just with straight faces just lying <laughs> when we hit stop recording you guys can tell us what you really think <laughs> so uh, big 12 byu and then um pac 12 rankings i just want to i was having this debate on twitter um where do you rank the five power conferences um so i mean there's lots of ways to rank them and i mean you could rank them by how much money they make or how good their tv is and in terms of how quality of football um no i no i think i think the pac 12 is like really neck and neck with the ACC and, and, uh, and Pac-12 as the third best football conference. I mean, I think it could lean either way um, on any of those three. It's, it's an or, not a, uh, you know, not, a, not a third, fourth, and fifth thing to me. Well, as the, the one Aggie fan, um, I will say I'm, my prediction is one is coming, but not the one you think. I, I, I was, I've been telling Jake this. I'm kind of hyped after a win over a Pac-12 team over Wazoo, but I, I think one is coming on October 1st, but I'll let you guys um, uh, decide who, who who's going to win on Saturday, but um, Jake, I appreciate you. You guys are precious. Here's a drink for you up there in Cowtown, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was a big W for you. That was awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think I did a tweet that a lot of people saw. It was like um, USU and BYU shaking hands on beating Pac-12 teams. I get it that they'll probably finish last in their divisions. Possibly we'll have to see. But, um, but yeah, Jake, thanks for letting me be kind of the mediator. Um, it was kind of d- different, you know, ha- handling. I mean, yeah, we had a bunch of people on here, and it was a lot of fun. I yeah, appreciate everybody jumping on, all the thoughts that have been shared, and, and uh, really excited for the rivalry game this weekend. Um, come, if I mean, meet up at the game if you're going. If not, um, we'll meet up in person at some point. This has been really cool to, to chat. Um, I, I should open it up. Any final thoughts from anybody about the game other than a go Cougs or a go Utes? I just hope everybody has a good time. Amen. I like that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Please have fun, yeah. <laughs> Love I it. hope the rest don't get any trash thrown at them this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, w- w- one last thing, Jake. I, I, I was just going to mention, if you guys haven't already, um, on, on the Hive Sports, our, our, on our pinned tweet, um, we're doing a So Delicious giveaway. Um, uh, it's actually Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you want some extra So Delicious, you know, just don't pour it on anybody But <laughs> at the rivalry game. But, I mean, there's some good red or blue flavors, whatever you like. But, um, yeah. Um, and whoever's whoever's listening, that that will end once the holy war ends. Then, then that giveaway will close. But um, but yeah, thanks for joining everyone. Um, looking forward to the game. Thehivesports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. Thehivesports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at Thehivesports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out Thehivesports.com because we got the buzz.